Welcome back, everyone, to another episode here on the 5571 podcast. Um, I'm here today after a long weekend um, over and at Universal Studios Hollywood for the Disney 100 celebration, the grand opening of the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway attraction, and the first day of Super Nintendo World's official annual pass holder preview day, uh, which I was able to attend as well. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, and I'll try to keep it as concise as we can so we can keep it to that magical 30 to 40 minute time frame for your guys' commutes to work. Um, but I am joined today by my good friend Mondo from Five Fires YouTube, who was with me most of the weekend as we went through this crazy long weekend. But uh, how do you feel, Mondo, after all this, uh, you know, time we've been up all day at the parks? <laughs> I feel exhausted. Uh there's a term I use, Disney wasted. Yes. In a good way. In a good way. It, yeah. <laughs> it was definitely a grind. Uh, Disney 100 offered a lot. Uh, and um, mentally, as physically as everything was, mentally, I feel like it was too, with the remembering this, remembering that, go here this time, that time, you know. But it was a lot of fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. And uh, that's going to be our Main Street topic for today. We're going to discuss the Disney 100 celebration, what we thought about it, what our experience was like. More importantly, last episode, we talked about the boarding group process for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and how you would need to be prepared for that experience. Well, we both experienced that. So we want to talk a little bit about that as well. And then I also wanted to throw in a last little segment um, talking about the, my experience with Super Nintendo World because we both have some great tips that will help you with those annual pass holder previews um, and probably moving forward into just general admission when the land opens February 17th. Um, but we want to first start off with the 5571 news segment, of course. The number one news segment of the whole week is that Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway did officially open at Toontown. And with it, we see we saw a lot of spe like things come to Toontown that honestly I don't know about you Mondo but I wasn't expecting to be able to see just yet. Um, when I was you know picturing how we were going to access the attraction, I know you and I talked about like how are we going to get there? Like what are we going to do? I was kind of envisioning like um, a, a tunnel, like walls on each side, just going straight to the attraction with maybe the immediate space around it. I did not expect. Um, all the land space that we had available around the attraction to be just open and ready for us. So that kind of throw you off when you first saw it too? Yeah, I was shocked to be able to see so much on left and right. Because I, I thought the same thing, that it was going to be construction walls leading you to the entrance of Mickey and Minnie's, and that's all you get. But yeah, they opened up the grass area on the right side. We lost Roger Rabbit Fountain. Uh, we were able to play some of the interactive games too for the kids uh, with like the fire department, the mailboxes, the shocking door. There, there was a lot to offer, honestly. Yeah. Overall, Toontown, the, the parts that we were seeing really looked like it just received um, a lot of love and care. Um, it was bright. It was vibrant, kind of back to the way it was when it first opened in the 90s. Um, they um, Most important change in the entire land um, when we kind of got in there was the flatness of it all. Um, there was no longer any tracks in the ground from the Jolly Trolley, um, which was retired 
many, many moons ago, but the track still remained, which was kind of a tripping hazard throughout the land and an, a hazard for people like uh, that are on wheelchairs or using electric wheelchairs, etc. Um, but more importantly, all the curbs were removed from Toontown, making it completely accessible to anyone in a wheelchair, any strollers, perfectly flat, walking from from sidewalk to to main bricked area. Um, it really leveled it out and made it really nice to kind of walk around Toontown. Um, it's not a change you notice at first, but when you notice it, you really notice it. Um, and it's going to definitely change the le- the landscape of the whole place. But not only that, they added like really cool brick design all throughout Toontown. It just really plus it up. Like it used to be just plain cement everywhere, but we had like inlaid brick and, um, you know, fresh pavement, like I said, all leveled out. All the buildings received a new paint coat. But some of the things we saw revealed, which is why I'm including them in this uh, 5571 news segment, <clears throat> was over by kind of the city hall portion of Toontown. Now, city hall basically remained untouched, but... More specifically, if you have ever been in Toontown before, um, they had quick service options available to you um, in the form of Daisy's Diner, which was a kind of two, three person window that offered um, personal pizzas. They had pepperoni and cheese um, and like salads and stuff like that and sodas uh, and like chips and things like that. Um, And it was actually really, really good pizza. (laughs) You could get it from there. Pretty affordable option as well, too. Then right next to it was another window called Pluto's Doghouse, which served hot dogs and chips and other like sandwiches and stuff like that kind of in boxes to go. Um, and then the final window all in a line there was Clarabelle's Ice Cream, which is where you got um, those themed ice cream sundaes that you may or may not remember from Disneyland that had like the Mickey ears and the mini ears on it. Um, and so all three of those buildings changed. Now, in the artwork, if you really zoomed in on it, which Mondo and I had done a few times on Speculation Sunday and just in general when we were talking about D23 coverage, you could see that the gas station, which is part of that same building, um, was changed to sort of market. But you couldn't really tell what any of the others are going to be. Um, but we've learned now that the Daisy's Diner is going to stick around, but they're going to just change the name a little bit. They're going to call it Daisy's Cafe instead of Daisy's Diner. Um, and they shared that too at D23 Expo. When we had a chance to talk to the Imagineers, they said the same thing. Um, but we saw some other buildings change. Pluto's Doghouse, which had a counter and a window at it, completely boarded over um, temp- with temporary covering. So something's definitely going on there. We just don't know what it is yet, but it doesn't look like they're going to include that as part of uh, any sort of food offering. And then the third and final window which was the biggest change, which uh, was Clarabelle's ice cream window, is now completely changed to just a building facade with no window or counter at all. So they've definitely changed the whole layout of like how you're going to get food at this location. And it seems like the main focus is just going to be Daisy's Cafe um, and no longer any of these other ones. Um, And the market, of course, will be there as well. And a cast member did share with us that the market uh, would be called Pluto's Market. Uh, So... Um, those would be like the new locations that we kind of saw some other big changes in the land. Once everything was revealed, the bathroom signs kind of made a big hubbub online. They changed from a Roger rabbit theme uh, to just like a generic men and women uh, scene, which people kind of got up in arms over, but um, it makes sense because Roger rabbit really isn't the main theme anymore inside Mickey or and to Mickey's Toontown. It's going to be Mickey and like the, you know, in the, the kind of that cartoon vibe and, the new bathroom signs sort of kind of fit that motif. 
Um, and then the other big thing, Mondo already mentioned it, Roger Rabbit's cartoon uh, spin outside of it, the main Roger Rabbit fountain was completely removed for a park, a grass park, which we saw in the artwork as well. The artwork showed it a little bit more grandiose because the trees in the artwork were already grown in. And of course, now we have brand new trees that are small and haven't grown in yet. So the park looks a little uh, maybe bare at the moment. But uh, like Mondo was talking about when we were there, you could really tell when the trees grow in. It's going to be full, like, don't you think? Yeah, it's going to look really nice. More yeah. Shade. Uh, the whole concept of just having that relaxed vibe, they're really pushing for it. They are. They are. It's um, and and you know what? Like people, you know, either really hated the decision of removing the fountain, or um, they really enjoyed the the uh, the new grass area because it was kind of like Disneyland's version of Hubgrass, right? Um, if you don't know what Hubgrass is, they have um, really large sections on either the left and the right side of Main Street in the Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World um, that are big grassy areas along the hub statue of Walt and Mickey that you can just sit in and have picnics, have your lunch. And then in the evening times, it is used for reserved areas for fireworks viewing. Um, so people love to kind of spend their day on the hub grass, you know, eating lunch or whatever. So they're mentioning that this is kind of like Disneyland's version of hub grass. And let me tell you when Mondo and I were there experiencing the attraction during the day, there was kids running around playing all over adults laying down in the grass, relaxing in the new land just taking in the vibes and the new soundtrack that was already playing in Mickey's Toontown as well. But uh, that was kind of the main part there uh, that I wanted to cover in Toontown. That was sort of news that we saw that had changed. Um, but since the last podcast episode, some other news items, of course, It's a Small World has reopened again. Um, and it's just the regular Small World like we know and love. No changes to the attraction, just reopened with uh, removing the holiday layover. Um, in addition to... Um, that reopening, now that that's reopened, we're losing, um, going to be losing Haunted Mansion, uh, the attraction, because they're going to be taking over, uh, taking away, excuse me, the Haunted Mansion holiday layover and putting back the regular Haunted Mansion attraction. Um, in addition to that space, we have no news yet on whether, where, when and where Disneyland's uh, Haunted Mansion or Disneyland's Splash Mountain attraction will close. A lot of people have been asking that. Um, in questions I've received for the podcast on Mondo Speculation Sunday, um, in DMs to me, I don't know. Mondo doesn't know. <laughs> we don't. We don't know when Splash Mountain's going to close for Disneyland. Of course, we talked about it on a, a previous episode. Splash Mountain has already closed at Walt Disney World, um, but ours is not closed yet. So, if you want to experience Splash Mountain, you can do that. Uh, although it is cold right now, <laughs> so a lot of people aren't doing that. Um, and for the most part, it doesn't really ever get above like 20 minutes at even peak one o'clock time. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah. So definitely um, get your last rides in because I would imagine it's closing this year. I mean, it's got to, right? We know the new attraction opens later next year. So they're going to have to do some work on that. Um, some upcoming dates to keep in mind. I think, is it February 4th, Mondo, that the final day is it February 4th or 14th? The final day of the French market. I should have had that actually prepared <laughs> for French market is closing. Let me see. I'll pull it up here. Sorry for the delay, guys. February 17th. February. I knew it was like something like that. February 17th. 
Um, so keep that in mind as a date on your calendar, February 17th, to experience the French market in Disneyland before it closes to become Tiana's Palace Restaurant. Um, and we'll opening this year. So and, uh, we don't have to wait until next year for that. They're actually going to be getting that this year. So they're going to work pretty quickly on that as well. And the closure uh, for that one, Danny, it's going to include mint julep bar. So it's it, not just French market. It's going to be just that that section. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So that's going to be the mint julep bar and the beignets. Although Disney did say that they would be offering both the mint juleps and the beignets at some additional different location. Um, so we don't know what that is just yet. Um, my bet is going to be on the stage door cafe because it's not that yeah. far away from it and they've got a fryer already. <laughs> so it makes sense there, but maybe, maybe it's Harbor gallery too, or Harbor gallery right around the corner. So could or, be one of those. Or they, they go, they go with the more expensive option. Cafe Orleans. Cafe Orleans. Yeah. Right. Hey, you want this stuff? Come sit down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, um, the last bit of, of news I kind of wanted to bring up. Um, was the uh, annual pass situation, right? So Disney did announce um, that Re Magic Keys would be going on sale again, um, you know, earlier this year. And then, bam, they went on sale again, um, all of them except for the Enchant Key. Um, and as of this date, the day that we're recording this podcast, and the day that you're listening to this would be Monday, um, the 30th, um, the Enchant Key... And the Imagine key are not available. And the Believe key and the Inspire key, which are the two expensive passes, are still available. Or is it the Believe? Is the Believe Resort uh, sold out no, today too? No, Believe and Inspire, as of today being January 29, it's still available. Yeah, still available. That's what I thought. So, yeah, still yep. available. And, so, and this is like a week later too. Mm -hmm. So... But keep in mind, it could stop literally at any moment. So you want to make sure that if you are kind of on the fence about it, um, maybe act on that more quickly or quicker rather than slower because um, it could change at any moment. And then we don't know when they're going to sell them again. Actually, Disneyland bringing, you know, bringing these back even as quickly as they did really surprised me and Mondo, to be honest, because they had just sold them, I think, in late October um, and we kind of thought, oh, you know, with this, with Disney saying, oh, we'll sell them at some point in 2023. We thought like way later on. Yeah, um, like summer. It seemed like it was going to be a summer when, when they're trying to get the park busy. Yeah, I did not expect right before the 100 and a brand new ride. Definitely not for sure. Um, but the last piece I wanted to mention before we head on to our Main Street topic was at the uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. Savi's Workshop and Droid Depot actually lowered their prices so um they actually quietly increased their prices not that long ago um so in order to build your own lightsaber at savi's workshop that experience went from the original price of 219 220 dollars essentially to 250 dollars per person to do this experience um and then the droid depot experience where you build your own interactive droid that went from 99 dollars to 120 dollars um, not that big of a jump, $20, but if you got multiple kids that can add up pretty quickly. So, um, they actually had higher, raised the prices, didn't really say anything about it, but now all of a sudden they've, you know, backtracked that and reduced the prices back to their original price that was before. So Savi's workshop is now back down to $219 and Droid Depot is now back down to $99. Um, 
and uh, they didn't really say anything as to why they just kind of did it again. So, um, but it's good news. If you have that planned uh, up and coming, you'll be back at the cheaper price again. So took me by surprise, but I mean, it makes sense because I, I know Mondo will agree. 250 is just way too much for Savi's workshop. You know, it makes me think, Danny, um, obviously 250 didn't work out. They're probably at the limit at 215. <laughs> I, I I wonder if they went down to like 175. They would probably sell way more than what they're currently selling at 215. Um, them lowering prices, I feel like is almost an unheard of thing these days. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I know it, it's like to see them roll back anything like money wise is yeah. insane. So, um, but you know, if, if they're not selling it and they're not moving the experience, it's going to cost them money because they've got cast members staffed at those locations. They've got, you know, uh, just the inventory side of things. Yeah. Backing up in the warehouse. Mm -hmm. They got inventory on order inventory in the warehouse, like you said. So it show is... must go on. They got to get rid of it. <laughs> they got to get it out there. But that wraps up our 5571 news segment for all the news that you really need to know at this time. But we're going to move now into what everyone's probably listening for is all of our thoughts on the Disney 100 celebration, the grand opening of the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway attraction, and then a little bonus at the end for Super Nintendo World and the annual pass holder preview experience. Um, but... Of course, um, you know, Friday, January 27th, we were actually there, uh, Mondo, a little bit before me, me just right after Rope Drop. I literally was hearing the announcement as I was walking in. Um, but we had lived through the boarding group experience because as we talked about in our past episode, the boarding groups are back for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. We thought we'd seen the end of boarding groups, but they're back for this attraction and let me tell you, it wasn't the smoothest rollout um, as it really has never been for boarding groups, in my opinion. But um, you know what? I, I, I don't like the boarding group system for this attraction. Uh, Walt Disney World did not debut it for their attraction. And I'm really bummed that, that we have it. Um, but, you know, we were fortunate enough on Friday morning on opening day to actually get a boarding group and uh, at the 7 a.m. time slot. And we talked about in our past episode 7 a.m. is what kicks off the boarding group. You got to have the Disneyland app on your phone. You got to be signed in. You got to have your tickets linked to the app. Your group all put together as far as who's listed, what tickets are listed on your account. And then at 7 a.m., all you have to have in order to qualify to enter the virtual or the virtual queue or the, to get your boarding group is going to be a reservation that starts at Disneyland. You don't have to be on property. You don't have to scan your ticket at the gate. You could be at home. You could be at your hotel room. You could be driving to Disneyland. You could be waiting in line at Mickey and Friends to be parking in the parking structure. Um, as long as you have a reservation that starts at Disneyland and a valid ticket for that same day, you can enter the virtual queue at 7 a.m. Um, but <laughs> as Mondo could tell you from his experience and anyone that he talked to on Friday besides us, um, it didn't really seem like it was all that easy to get. <laughs> for for boarding groups when i think of boarding groups i think of like a even playing field you know everybody has the same opportunity at 7 a.m to hit the buttons as quickly as possible uh but this time for mickey and minnie's runaway railway 
it seemed like it was a little rigged more towards lightning lanes. And the reason I say that, we spoke to so many people and asked, did you get a boarding group? And for the majority, it seemed like everybody said, no, I didn't get a boarding group. I bought a lightning lane. Yeah. And I really feel like Disneyland anticipated that. And uh, for the whole day, or not the whole day, but for, for the most part, everybody I talked to that got on Mickey and Minnie's through a boarding group and did standby, nobody ever said, I waited an hour, two hours, nothing like that. The standby, it seemed like it was a 20 to 40 minute experience. And to be honest, the standby in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is very welcoming. The queue's incredible. You want, you kind of want to be there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But what really uh, came full circle, Danny, was that even if you got a boarding group, Disney on the Disneyland app was doing push notifications to upsell you to buy a boarding group. And it's and let me read you verbatim. You have the option to bypass the virtual queue, wait at 1.10 p.m. for $20 per guest. So even though you had a lightning lane, they were still trying to upsell you, or even though you had a boarding group, which was the regular virtual queue, Disneyland was still trying to upsell you. So to me, it really seems like the emphasis was not boarding group. It was lightning lane, which is obviously makes it makes money. Lightning makes money. Yeah. And it seems like, too, they were adjusting things each day. Right. Um, there was, um, you know, for instance, when when we were riding on Friday, like Mondo said, when your boarding group was called, there really wasn't any wait. You were um, entering the queue and maybe had a 15, 12 minute wait at tops. You were really, you know, walking through the queue pretty quickly but a lot of people were wanting to stay around so they could see more of the queue um compared to um what we saw online today um at the day that we're recording this episode on sunday um we saw a lot of uh, we saw a new thing being added uh guests were leaving that highly themed queue um right at the point where you see the christmas carol props in the in the queue and heading outside behind the building um, in a total backstage area that was set up as a queue. Think back to when Web Slingers first started. Um, they had a similar thing behind the Web Slingers building. You were in like just a plain backstage parking lot area and they set up like uh, some walls and some like rope queue. Right? Hey, same thing with uh, Smuggler's Run. Yeah, Smuggler's Run had that like behind that gate. So they were on that today. What that tells me is they were either selling more lightning lanes and or giving out more virtual queues. They probably got a lot of negative feedback on Friday and Saturday about how there just wasn't any virtual queue availability. I did see a lot of people post online today that they were able to get virtual queues more so than normal. Uh, so, uh, But we also saw two to three hour waits today in the queue posted online, including people that were waiting in that backstage covered area behind the attraction. Watch um, Friday, Saturdays be all about lightning lane and every other day they'll give boarding groups to everybody. Yeah. So they, they're really, they, they flip flop it like that. They're, they're, their plan. they're really going to experiment, experiment with it and keep changing it in my opinion. Um, but the reality is at some point we'll lose the boarding groups. Um, 
which we're looking forward to. <laughs> um, and it will just be standby, um, which is how it debuted at Walt Disney World. And, uh, and you know, which is how Rise of the Resistance is. And, um, you know, people are, are more than willing to wait for Rise of the Resistance, even if it's an hour, two hours, because it's their choice to want to wait in it. And if you don't want to wait, well, then you can buy an individual lightning lane for Rise of the Resistance, just like you can for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And let me tell you, the Lightning Lane experience at Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is phenomenal. You, yeah. This is a brand new attraction that was built after Lightning Lane was already a thing. So when you go through the Lightning Lane queue, you are basically walking through barely any queue at all, and you're in the pre-show. So this is not a old fast pass queue that's been converted to Lightning Lane. This is a ride that was built for Lightning Lane. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is not Indiana Jones. No, this is not Indiana Jones. So when you're paying that $20, if you really are all about getting no weight at all, uh, that you're getting your money's worth on, on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway if it's something that you want to spend your money on for that. Um, some people have like this idea in their mind that they don't want to give any money for Lightning Lanes because they don't like the idea that they used to be free and now they're not. Um, that's fine. Um, you know, you can still do the virtual queue, but if you are all about skipping that line and doing lightning lanes and not having to worry about any other stuff, um, this is the ride to do it on for sure. This and rise of the resistance. Both of those rides were built for this, um, rise of the resistance. You go right into the BB eight pre-show. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're talking to BB eight, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it is, uh, it is a very similar experience. Um, but yeah, so that was, I kind of wanted to talk about the, the boarding groups. Um, uh, there is two different times, like I mentioned in my past episode, we also attempted the 1 PM reservation boarding group time. That's going to be your second time to do it. This particular one, just to confirm what we said on the last episode, you do not have to be, um, having a reservation for Disneyland. You can be starting at Disney California adventure or starting at Disneyland but you have to have some sort of park hopper ticket to qualify. So whether that's a magic key, which obviously is a park hopper or a ticket with a park hopper option. Um, and if you're at DCA, that's fine. And if you're at Disneyland, that's fine, but you have to be on property for this particular virtual uh, queue boarding group time. Um, unlike the 7am one where you can be anywhere, the 12 or the 1pm one, you have to be on property and scanned in at least to one of the parks. Um, and then you're given a time to come back in later, but transitioning away from virtual queues, uh, I wanted to talk about another elephant in the room, which is Toontown having to close during the fireworks. Um, so in the past, Mickey's Toontown has always closed early for the fireworks. Um, and that is no exception. Now, um, we have an amazing new fireworks show, Wonders Journey, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but because of that launching literally directly behind Mickey's Toontown, you cannot be in Mickey's Toontown or in the attraction at any time during that fireworks show. So Mickey's Toontown and the Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway attraction will close typically at on nights with fireworks at 8 p.m. and then reopen immediately after at 10 p.m. So there's a two-hour window where the ride's closed. And this is where we were seeing a lot of issues with the attraction and the virtual queue in the lightning lane because of downtimes. So... If the ride closed down a little too close to set to 8 p.m., whether that was 6, 7, or whatnot, um, because of a downtime, they did not attempt to get the ride up and running 
because of how close it was to the closure. So at that point, they just kept the ride closed whenever it broke and had no plans to reopen it until 10. So this caused every boarding group and virtual lightning lane or lightning individual lightning lane to be pushed back until after the ride reopened, which would be well after 10, 8, 10 p.m. So at that point, if you have a lightning lane or a virtual queue around like 6 or 7 p.m., but you're now told you can't ride until 10 p.m., this affected a lot of people with kids, especially that can't stay up that late. So I saw Mondo got a lot of people responding to him that had to like return it, take it back because they couldn't have their kids stay up that late or they just weren't going to use it, et cetera. So they kind of felt defeated a little bit. Were you, were you seeing like a lot of this Mondo? Oh, tons, mm -hmm. tons. It's just Mickey and Minnie's with the closure for fireworks. It, I almost feel like I'd rather do something else at that point. The nighttime spectaculars or go do other rides uh, that have shorter waits because people are watching nighttime spectaculars. It feels kind of a bummer to have to wait till pretty much like 10 o'clock or beyond to, to do the ride, even though you expected it to be like a six o'clock thing. Yeah. It, yeah. I, it's, it, that's, see, this is the only part that I think that's really unfortunate with the boarding groups is because of the closure. Um, and if there's any downtimes at all, it really pushes things around and it just makes the logistics for the cast members and everything just really, really difficult. Um, so I think personally, um, the, just having a regular standby queue would really help the cast members on this and also um, help the guests plan a little better, um, especially if there's downtime. But and, and one thing real quick, too, about uh, Lightning Lane and then the breakdowns of Mickey and Minnie. Mm -hmm. Since the ride breaks down, at least so far a lot, it has created a lot of multi-experiences, which are fast pass for other rides. Yes. And since you have to wait till after fireworks, Danny, I'm using my Lightning Lane on Space Mountain or uh, Thunder Mountain. I'm going to use it somewhere else. I don't care anymore. And, and it's impacted the other lightning lanes. It so has. I, I feel like people have been kind of pissed about that. It has. It, yeah, it's had a ripple effect. But we have to take in mind that, you know, of course, it is a new attraction and things like this are, are bound to happen. But, yeah, these are all things to take in mind, like Mondo said, um, you know, because it, it, there's like a, downtimes are going to happen with the closure. But we also have to understand, too, that Mickey's Toontown um, doesn't have doesn't have to close every night because some nights there are no fireworks. So um, that's that's also a possibility as well too, um, where it can just remain open all night because there's no fireworks on those nights. So yeah, like it could stay open till nine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's yeah. uh, a lot of changes coming up. So it's not all doom and gloom. Of course, the the attraction is amazing. Uh, Mondo and I both experienced it at Walt Disney World. Now we've experienced it here together as well, too. Uh, it was just as amazing. Um, a lot of fun. It was so cool to have this ride here at Disneyland instead of at Disney World, too. It felt like we had a little piece of, of Disney World. Like Mondo was saying, he felt immediately transported like to yeah. being at Disney World. <laughs> I felt like I was at Disney World yesterday. Or not yesterday, but just over the weekend. Like We got to ride Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And got to experience Wondrous Journey, which literally felt like happily ever after. I know, I know. <laughs> it was almost like, and we got to do, like, just saying, like, we could have done Rise of the Resistance, which is the Walt Disney World thing, too. Yeah, Crazy. no, 
I know, and and the attraction itself is is basically unchanged from the Florida version. Uh, just a little bit of a longer ride time, just based on how the rides laid out. Um, but there's no new show scenes. It's all the same. Um, but we have a totally different queue, and um, sort of the way you enter uh, the storyline of the ride itself. Right? Um, you are going to premiere of the movie in Walt Disney World's version two. But I think ours just fits so much better because it's in Mickey's Toontown and you're at the El Capitan Theater and you're 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 going to the premiere of a movie of Mickey's new movie at the El Capitan Theater in Mickey's Toontown. Right. It just fits so well. And they did such an excellent job imagining this cue um, to fit with the existing style of Mickey's Toontown already. It seems yeah, like it, one, it was always supposed to be there. That was one comment you made uh, uh, earlier today. It just it just felt like it was here the whole time. It did. It, it, was, it wasn't this ride that just came in 2022 or 2023. It, mm -hmm. it seemed like this was here 20 years ago. It's just part of Toontown. Yep, yep. And I think that's what really sets Disney apart um, from like a lot of the other theme parks as well, is that they take the time and consideration into something like that. Like not a lot of people may notice that, you know, they just see a new ride and think that the queue's cool. But like when, when you sit and actually look at the details, you're like, wow, this really... Um, they took a lot of time and effort to make sure that this matches everything else that's already in Toontown, which is where it's going to be. So it's like it always was there as part of this experience. And um, that they're trying to make it new, but also pay homage to that what was there too. So really, I, really... I will say I'm thankful that Disneyland went this hard because after Web Slingers, I was a little worried, dude. Oh, I know. Uh, I'm not trying to hate <laughs> on West Singers. It's just the level of creativity in that queue. Come on. Uh, Mickey and Minnie's took it to as highest level of creativity they could go. And and just waiting in line is fun. See, they made waiting in line fun. It is. It's definitely, it definitely is in that queue. Um, it's a little bit of a bummer if you do individual lightning lane because you get to you have to miss all of this really highly themed queue. Pretty similar to like uh Avatar Flight of Passage, right? That has an amazing themed queue that like so much to see and do. And to this day, Mondo, I have literally never seen that queue because I've always done no, if, if you see that queue, you waited three hours. That's why right. <laughs> you saw that queue too much. Yeah, because I've always done fast pass in the past and then lightning lane now. So like it's I've never seen what that queue looks like. Uh, I've always just gone I've through the lightning lane side. <laughs> no flight of passage is super popular yeah yeah but let's go ahead and move on to what mondo was hinting at a little bit earlier um the rest of the disney 100 celebration in addition to the new ride opening uh, but of course disney kicked off disney 100 celebration the 100th anniversary of the walt disney company celebrating the 100 years of wonder and they tagline disney land as the place where wonder comes alive um, so Disneyland is the hub, is the center of the celebration. They had a live stream going on Friday um, with, you know, Disney parks kicking off the celebration. Um, it was definitely uh, a day to remember. There was, you know, not only um, the new attraction opening, which brought a lot of the excitement with it, but we had some amazing decor that they added all over Disneyland and Disney California Adventure Park, including tons of decor on the castle and the brand new fountains everything that they've added just looks really really good um and then the the decorations really take on a new life at nighttime especially the castle 
um, the, some of the like more plain items really come to life at night because um, they shine lights and projections onto it that just um, sparkle and catch the light in the way that they showed the artwork, which we saw. So um, I don't know, overall, did, did you definitely like it better at night, Mondo, as far as the castle and the other decor or more in the day with like the shimmeriness of it? I liked it both the same. I can't, I can't decide. Night, <laughs> night is really good too. It really is. I would say it, it's definitely more of a vibrant, magical feel in the day. Uh, because a lot of that metallic is cool, the metallic and purple. Uh, and then, like, I'll, 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 I've said this like 10 times, but it's just extremely magical to see that monorail with the metallic just come by with the hundred Disney 100th uh, overlay on it. It's yes. And yeah, Mondo's referring to, uh, you know, on the day of the celebration kickoff, we saw Disneyland debut. Um, a complete new wrap for one for monorail blue actually monorail blue um, was wrapped in a hollow decor from front to back um, and it said disney 100 on it and that thing was really holographic it would just shine rainbow color and it just you can you can't miss it whenever it's going by and it's caused a lot of stir online it was a surprise none of us expected um, and speaking of surprises that none of us expected another one we got um was all new music in the esplanade downtown disney and like our parking areas um over at the uh, mickey and friends parking structure we've had the same esplanade music loop for so many years now at disneyland resort with a few additions here and there they do change it up at christmas time and halloween um but for the most part it's always the same well they had all new playlist celebrating the history of the 100 years of the walt disney company but more specifically, the history of theme parks, which don't isn't as long as 100 years, but is a, as long as six, about 67 years, which is when Disneyland has been open. Um, but they also included Disney World um, in this playlist. So because they're also a part of um, Disney theme park history as well. So this new playlist, you might be walking through the Esplanade and hearing Figment, Journey to Imagination <laughs> song going off. You might be hearing the Q song from Test Track at Epcot or Spaceship Earth's, you know, um, Magic, game, happens, ma Magic Happens, you got going on. You got the Fantasmic song, which we know and love from the past loop, Main Street Electrical Parade, just the Country Bear Jamboree, like things we haven't heard in a while on this new loop. It was totally weird for me to be walking from Disney California Adventure to Disneyland and hearing Test Track going off. <laughs> yeah, the one that was weird for me was uh, uh, Beautiful Tomorrow, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. The Carousel of Progress. Carousel of Progress. I was like, what the hell? And the <laughs> like, I know. Cool. It was just, it's just, <clears throat> to me, when I hear those songs, the ones that you were referring to, like Test Track 2, it's like a Florida thing. So to have it in California, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird experience, but I like I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I agree. But yeah, it's all these little things like that that really brought the whole celebration together, right? It's like you're seeing change everywhere. It's happening in downtown Disney. It's you're hearing it with the music. You're seeing the decor everywhere. We're seeing special food, all new fireworks shows, a brand new ride. It really felt like everything was changing at Disneyland and like it was a a time to go and celebrate, time to go do stuff. And um, that's what I feel like was really a win for this celebration. But more importantly, the biggest win, I think, was the brand new Nighttime Spectaculars we got. 
Shimondo hinted at earlier. Um, but let's start off with um, Wondrous Journeys because, man, that was uh, a banger of a, of a new show for Disneyland. The fireworks spectacular Wondrous Journeys. Um, and it was probably one of the best fireworks shows Disneyland has had in a long, long time, probably since Disneyland Forever or Remember Dreams Come True. Um, but Mondo, let me know again your thoughts and anyone that might be listening about Wondrous Journey and why it's so amazing. Wondrous Journey had a tough task because they really were bringing all the Walt Disney animation to life from the beginning till now to even a movie that hasn't even debuted and it's actually part of the show the what is it called again star wish wish yeah and to me wondrous journey was uh, an impressive experience of of emotion inspiration and i truly fell in love with disney again i i i felt very magical um as much as we have baymax and uh the the fairy flying over the castle uh the projections is what really sold me um just the 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 parts of of the songs that they chose and just the message that was being sent was very powerful um and they really blended the old with the new incredibly well incredibly well uh, the fireworks were a perfect touch to everything they displayed. And I love that they brought fireworks that launched from the castle. Those are always my favorite. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but when they launched castle fireworks with humongous fireworks in the background as well, it's just that more impressive. Uh, for me, the Wondrous Journey song was not, I, I wasn't won over by it at all at D23. And now that we've seen the final version and, and the final edit that, that came to life on Friday with Wondrous Journey Fireworks, it was beautiful. Beautiful. I loved everything about it. My favorite part was Hercules and Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, I, I almost cried. I was trying my best not to cry. But yeah, it's a really good emotional experience. It's so much so that I'm excited to watch it because I watched it at the front of the castle. I'm excited to watch it from main street to see how that experience is i want to see it from rivers of america i want to see it from small world this fireworks show has so much rewatchability it's insane yeah it does it's a it's definitely a show with a lot of staying power um it's you know specifically meant for the disney 100 celebration but i really hope that we see it stay beyond that you know we saw disney forever even not that long ago and that was for um the 2015 60th anniversary of disneyland so um i'm hoping that this show has a lot of staying power um it seems with on that same vibe of happily ever after from magic kingdom which also has a a lot of staying power there and is very beloved i feel like this show is going to be very beloved um big updates in the projections like mondo was saying um very clear crisp fire projections we've never seen on the castle and on main street before and on it's a small world so lots of great places to watch the show um but in addition to wondrous journey uh which was incredible over at disneyland we also had a brand new world of color show called world of color one um and this show focuses not just on the animated features like mondo was talking about on the last one but on every movie franchise that disney owns as a company so it touches on their animation studios pixar 
um, as well as their live action like Star Wars and Marvel. So they show showcase items from all the all of the different movies. And this particular show has a storyline um, basically focused very, very much so on Walt Disney and how he made one small impact that grew into such a large brand that is today. They call it Starting a Wave. Um, and this show is definitely um, a very awesome version of World of Color, but it is a little bit of uh, a more emotional tugging show. So it's not like that high energy my experience with the original World of Color. It has high energy moments for sure. Um, but the beginning of the show is definitely a little bit more of a melancholy, uh, slower vibe, um, but leading into an epic, amazing finale uh, with a really fun, powerful segment. Um, but overall, I'd say this show is definitely uh, one to at least watch one time. And um, I really enjoyed it. I want to watch it more than once. Um, but it's uh, it's definitely something you have to see if you're there for Disney 100. Um, do you agree with that, Mondo? Yeah, you can't miss out. World of Color yeah. is worth watching. Uh, to me, World of Color, it, it has a big range of uh, love because it goes from Lion King to Star Wars, Avengers to even Ratatouille. That was really cool. I know. That was cool. Life. That was cool. Yeah. So it, it has a lot. It has a little bit for everybody. Yeah. Um, for me, World of Color... I just wish the transitions and more, uh, I guess I could say talking from segments of the movies, it would have brought the story and the message a little bit better. Uh, and I really feel like the marketing is what led things down for me when it comes down to World of Color 1. Uh, because I looked at it as a, as a celebration of 100 years. And uh, they didn't really go back to 100 years. <laughs> but it is what it is. World of Color 1, watch it. Uh, and good luck trying to get a goddamn boarding group. Because <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the boarding groups um, existed for World of Color before this show. But they also still stick around for this one. So not only are you managing boarding groups for Mickey and Minnie's Runway Railway, but also for World of Color as well. Um, and... They only have one distribution time. It's going to be at 12 p.m. <clears throat> and you do have to be scanned into a theme park, I believe, for this distribution. But it doesn't matter which one. Again, it just matters that you're scanned in at one and have the ability to hop over and experience the show with admission to Disney California Adventure Park. Um, and you can enter that queue at 12 p.m. So just an hour before the virtual queue that goes live for Mickey and Minnie's second time. Um, you can get your boarding group for World of Color. And you don't have, unfortunately, a say in which show you're getting. You're going to get assigned some type of section in either the first showing or the second showing. It's just kind of a random thing. So, But there is standby for both sections and both shows. So um, keep that in mind, too, if you're watching the show and you didn't get a boarding group. doesn't mean, hey, I can't watch World of Color. You definitely can. Um, not only are there dining packages and dessert parties available for World of Color, but you can also just show up and stand by in different sections around the other areas. So definitely ask a customer and they can point you to the right place on how to watch it um, without a virtual queue. But um, that wraps up our quick thoughts. Overall, I would say Disney 100, like I mentioned earlier, was an amazing celebration. And like Mondo mentioned on our live stream on his channel uh, earlier today, it's just a, a, a start of things to come, right? We got Magic yep. Happens coming. We got who who knows what other surprises come in as well. 
Um, to come soon. Yeah. For, uh, for all you know, and I mentioned this to Danny um, yesterday, uh, there was no <laughs> specific Disney 100 characters, like some new rare or new edition. Uh, we had the Fab Five in, in their 100th outfits, but nothing like, hey, we're going to bring uh, a new Encanto character, a new Coco character, you know, just something relating to the 100th. Uh, we're bringing another Moana character, you know, just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that there's some characters that are going to come soon that their their uh, their tagline is that this character's coming for the hundred celebration. I feel like there's stuff like that coming too. Right? No, that I agree. So overall, I, I really enjoyed the celebration, and, and I think there's a lot to look forward to. It's definitely an exciting time to visit Design Resort. Uh, what are your thoughts overall, Mondo, on 100? Do you do you like the celebration too? I know you're a big fan of Pixar Fest uh, in the past. So did this kind of live up to sort of a similar hype? Yes. Uh, this Disney 100 absolutely lived up to the hype. Um, it felt magical. <laughs> it felt extremely magical from beginning to end. And I was really worried that the daytime was not going to be anything because uh, – Disney 100 really comes to life at night with the spectaculars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, the characters doing the meet and greets were there all day. Even Mickey was meeting people at 11 o'clock at night, which was surprising. But uh, I really love the Disney 100. I think the only things that are missing is just uh, more foods. So just to kind of bring the, the, the celebration of life even more. And if we could get... Uh, if maybe it's a lot to ask, but if we could get a Disney 100 show at Fantasyland Theater, it'd be the perfect chef's kiss. Oh my god, that's a good idea! That's a good idea. Yeah, no, I agree. But that wraps up the Disney 100 segment. I'm gonna just transition really quickly to Super Nintendo World before we call it quits on this particular episode. Um, but I had a chance today to experience the Super Nintendo World annual pass holder preview, which was the first one that they did. Uh, for annual pass holders, in addition to all the technical rehearsals and team member rehearsals that they had. Um, But um, I had the first time slot of the day, and um, I just kind of wanted to break down really quick kind of what you do. Uh, So if you do have annual pass holder preview and you have it coming up, maybe this will help you with that planning around that. So the first thing you got to do is you have to check in for your reservation uh, time slot and get your wristband. Um, And you're going to do that actually just to the left of where you would normally enter bag check at Universal. So if you know where to go for bag check, you're going to follow signage and team members will be, of course, pointing you the right direction. But you kind of want to walk around that on the backside to a special place they have set up with a lot of switchbacks um, to get checked in for your, your time slot and get your wristband. Once you get your wristband, then you have to go back, actually, and get in lines to go through the, the bag check. And then you're just going to head down to the lower lot when it gets closer to your time and when you can check in. Uh, they were queuing us over at the Transformers attraction um, on their exterior queue um, to get into the land um, at our designated time. Um, but Mondo was also getting tagged as well. Um, and why don't you talk about that, where they were also uh, extending the queue even beyond Transformers. That's the thing. I thought Transformers queue was pretty big in itself uh it held up the weekend halloween horror night base i know (laughs) it it could hold a pretty big queue 
this demand got so crazy that it filled that up in Transformers and it actually extended to Jurassic World, the ride queue. Yeah. Across the other side of the lower lot. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. And the thing about it, Jurassic World queue was filled to the back. So I don't even know how many people were actually in line other than it was just way too much demand that 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 even Transformers Q couldn't handle that it had to go to another like what's going to happen when Jurassic World the rides open I I don't know where these crowds are going to go dude yeah. yeah he makes a good point right now Jurassic World the ride is under a refurbishment so their queue is available uh at least for the time being but um like he mentioned where is this going to go <laughs> when when it's not there but um, when you do get let in, my biggest tip to you that I wanted to share was to head straight to Toadstool Cafe in your time slot and just check out the situation there on what's going on. Um, for us, on the day that we were going, you had to have um, your name on the list with a return phone number to get texted when it was your time to be able to get in the line. So it's basically sort of like a virtual queue, but one that was happening in the moment, kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you check in with the podium and put your name down and then they give you a text to come back and be seated. Sort of a similar situation, but this one was just a time for you to come back to enter the line at the register and order your food. So um, the, the, there's no option for you to just walk and wait in line to get into the restaurant. There's just they can't accommodate that. It's just not a big enough location. So there's all these people there. Um, so if the, eating at the restaurant is important to you, please make sure when you first enter the land to head directly to the restaurant, Toadstool Cafe, and check with them what's going on. For us, we put our name down on a list and we got a text back within about 35 minutes that we were allowed to enter the queue. And then from there, we still had to wait about an hour and 20 minutes just to order our food. So it's a long experience. Um, and honestly, without Mondo's tip of being able to go to this restaurant first, we wouldn't have been able to experience it because, again, your preview is only two hours long. And um, if you aren't able to experience the major things in the land during your two hours, um, they won't let you do it. Because uh, you have colored wristbands that indicate what your time slot is. And they will check those wristbands to make sure that you're not experiencing the ride again, going through the Bowser's Challenge, um, like power-up band play area. And then uh, going into Toadstool Cafe, unless you're in a, the designated time slot that is active in that moment. So you kind of have to prioritize what's more important to you. Is it the ride? Is it the cafe? Is it the power up band stuff? What's important? Um, you know, if, if you're an annual pass holder, obviously you get to come back. So this is just for your preview time. So during your preview time, what's most important to you? And um, other than uh, going to the cafe first, Mondo, what are some tips um, that you would share too with people going for these annual pass order previews that might be crowded? This sounds weird, but if you're going early, so like before one o'clock, do single rider for Bowser's challenge and, and you'll understand why. Uh, I heard the whole single rider being short caught on and then it became a miserable as the regular standby because Mario Kart hit 240 minutes this Sunday, the first day of past member preview. That is insane. That is insane. And one thing that that kind of sucks, and I, 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 you probably don't even want to hear this, 
Um, if you get your return time for Toastil Cafe and you're in line for Mario Kart Bowser's Challenge, you're going to have to leave the queue because they don't accommodate you at Toastil Cafe if you go beyond like your window of return time. So uh, I heard a lot of people were getting rejected, even though they had a return time and they were like, hey, I was on the ride. It just didn't matter. There's no accommodation because things are so impacted that there's no budging. So that's a tip. If you're in Bowser's Challenge or Mario Kart and your Toastal Cafe comes up, just try to figure out a way to exit the ride and go to the restaurant if that is important to you. If dining right. at, at the restaurant is important to you, yes, you do have to get out of the ride. They were not accommodating people. Maybe things change, you know, because it kind of sucks to be like, oh, my God, I have to get out of the ride. But it, it's just there's not enough space. That's simple <laughs> as that. There's not enough space for sure. And, and um Overall, though, I had a blast at Super Nintendo World. Bondo's already sung its praises. Um, you know, the the land, the ride, the cafe, everything was 10 out of 10 for me. I, I really had a lot of fun. I enjoyed the ride so much. Um, it, you know, it's like I called it a perfect marriage of like uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway and like Toy Story Midway Mania. If you made them like a, a concept of the same ride um that that's what it would be uh with the addition of like augmented reality so it, it um it's definitely worth checking out but like mondo mentioned prioritize what you want to do when you go in you only got two hours in your annual pass holder preview you're not going to be able to experience it all but they don't they don't expect you to because you're an annual pass holder this is just a preview for you so they're giving you an early look at the land before it officially opens on february 17th so um, that's our biggest tip. Prioritize what's important. Is it the cafe? Is it the power-up band stuff? Is it riding the ride? Because um, if you're going to get in that line and you have a later entry time into Super Nintendo World, and it's, Mondo said, 240 minutes, 120 minutes, you can just, at that point, just know that Toadstool Cafe is probably not happening. Yeah. Yeah, so it, you just got to you gotta make sure it's, if it's important to you, you go do that. If you're fortunate enough to have one of the early morning times, um, get there early. That's my biggest tip. Um, I had a 10 a.m. slot today, which is the first time of the day. They were letting people in the land basically after 9.15. So that's an, an additional 45 minutes those people got um, into the land that they other people wouldn't have had. So the other thing I will mention is if you have an earlier time slot and you are done with your two hours... You can still stay in the land. You just can't experience the bigger things. So you can't go to the cafe. You can't do the ride again. And you can't do the Bowser, Baby Bowser Challenge game with your power-up band. But you can enjoy the vibes. You can see the characters. You can go do the other power-up band stuff that, that aren't the mini games, like hitting bl coin blocks and experiencing the upper and lower levels um, of the land. So you can still enjoy the vibes and, and hang around for a little bit. Get your photos. You know, people were taking lots of photos all over the land. Um, so you can still do that. Uh, that's an option for you. Um, but Mondo, if you were to say um, power up band, is it worth it? Yes. Uh, power <laughs> band. Like, I would be very disappointed if I forgot my power band when visiting Universal for Super Nintendo World. Um, it's just so essential to the land. It brings the land to life in a different way. Uh, that's fun. It just, it just brings out fun of the land. 
And for the most part, everything is interactive to that power band. It was really well done. Uh, and then the fact that it connects to your app, the Universal Studios Hollywood app, as a like a coin collecting type of thing and a fun challenge thing, uh, it was really integrated well. Really, it, it just it makes you want to come back and keep doing it. That, that that's the best part about it all. Hey, I agree with that 100. But um, we'll talk more about Super Nintendo World as we get closer to its grand opening date. There could be a lot of things changing. The annual pass holder previews could be changing in and of themselves. This was just day one. So there's a lot of things to iron out still. Um, but overall, I had a great experience. And I feel like Super or Universal Studios, excuse me, has a big hit on their hands. And uh, I'm really excited for the future of Universal Studios uh, as they hopefully expand this franchise, is my guess. But I want to thank you guys all for listening to the 5571 uh, podcast episode. We went a little over today, but we had a lot to talk about. So thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. Um, you can do that on any platform that you're listening to. Um, you can even listen to this podcast on your um, Amazon smart home devices. You can say that magical keyword that I don't want to say on this podcast to wake up any other magical devices you may have. But you can just ask this, their personal assistant to listen to the 5571 podcast and they can pull it up for you on your Amazon smart home device. Uh, you can also listen to it on Apple podcasts, Spotify podcasts, um, you know, Google podcasts, wherever you listen to it. And if you want to rate and leave a, a comment on it, you can do so on any of those platforms, but you can also send me an email at podcast at the 5571.com with any questions you may have. I got a few of those that we talked about already in this episode uh, in addition to that, uh, you can send me a DM on Instagram or on Twitter um, if you want to send questions there as well, too. And um, you can follow Mondo, of course, on Instagram at the Cali Bay. Um, if you don't already, go follow him there. You can follow him on Twitter, also at the Cali Bay, right? On Twitter? Yep. yep, yep. yep. Um, and then, of course, Five Fires YouTube, uh, Mondo and I do Speculation Sunday on Sundays uh, where we discuss theme park news for all kinds of theme parks, not just Disney. Um, and uh, also talk about speculation and things that are coming or news that we maybe know or some cheese made that we got. So definitely tune into that. Subscribe to Mondo's channel. He's got a lot of stuff on Disney 100 coming already up. He's got all the shows that we've been talking about. So you can watch the POVs of those shows. Um, anywhere else you want to send them Mondo besides those places? No, but Please subscribe and leave Danny a five-star rating <laughs> on this podcast. Yes. Thanks so much, uh, Mondo, for being a part of the show. Uh, we'll definitely be doing some more episodes coming up. So thank you again uh, for spending time. I know your time is precious, so I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll see you all on the next one.